Okay, so now myself and Cyan are going to uh, take the stage for a short fireside chat um, to talk a little bit about the space overall. Hopefully that's comforted many of the speakers that we've seen today. Um, so I'm your host, but Cyan is actually the person who um, virtually introduced me to this concept of virtual beings um, and thought through um, before we'd met the kind of connections and interplays that, that have inspired me. Um, so I'd love you first just to tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can dive into virtual beings. Sure. Yeah, I hate talking about myself, just so you know. Um, I'm an investor. Uh, I invest uh, my own money. I'm an angel investor, as well as a venture capitalist. I work for Founders Fund. And I've invested pretty heavily in this space, um, partially because, one, I've seen how children uh, react and play with some of these products. I hate to call them products, but you know, um, that's what they are. And also, going back to when I was younger, I had a Tamagotchi in my pocket, and um, it got me by at work, and I would sit there in my boring moments in between customers and would feed my Tamagotchi. My Tamagotchi became very important to me. Um, so I think that's when it started, and I'm probably gonna date myself a little bit. You know, Max Hedrum was also something that I was obsessed with. You know, Kit from Knight Rider, um, so I've always fantasized about having a friend who was not judgmental, um, that I could hang out with and they were interesting and we could hold conversations and they could learn about me, I could learn more about them. And so, you know, we've always been looking to the future as if that's some sort of science fiction, but now it's actually possible. Uh, to have these things, and so I think it's a really exciting moment, especially for investors, uh, to invest in the space, and so I started doing that. And can you talk us through a couple of the, the companies that you've looked at and, and invested in? Sure. Um, there's a lot of really interesting companies in the space. I'm going to mention some that I haven't invested in, actually, and then some that I have. Um, so, for example, there's a company called Shadows. There's a company called Soul Machines. Mm. Um, there's a company that I'm invested in that's stealth, so I can't talk about it, but um, they're in that sort of realm. And you know, there's companies like Artie. Um, Artie, I'm an investor in Artie, and I just met them for the first time in person. It's funny how this business works. Um, but we, we met over uh, video chatter of live on the phone, I guess. Um, also an investor in Toonstar. I think Toonstar definitely fits in, in part of this category. Uh, Morphin, Brud. Um, and continue to invest in the space. Yeah, as well as Fable. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, you know, you told me a little bit about Hatsune Miku and, and how that kind of helped you connect to the concept of virtual influences. And yeah. I'd love you to tell, tell the folks here a little bit about that. I assume everyone here, if you're here, you know who Hatsune Miku is. If not, raise your hand. 
Okay, awesome. Um, Hatsune Miku is uh, not a real performer, not a real person. Uh, she is, I wouldn't call her a hologram, um, but she, most of the people in the audience think she's a hologram. And she basically performs music that is fan submitted, and so the fans get together and they make this music that she performs, um, and she can fill up arenas. And so that's what's really fascinating about her. And so I first saw a video, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, are they really this hyped up <laughs> about this character that's on stage? And when they had the light sticks, you know, the whole thing going. Um, and then I saw Hatsune Miku in person, and that's magical. I highly recommend that you see Hatsune Miku in person if you haven't. And um, seeing how genuinely excited people were, and like singing along, and, and just interacting, and just like, that, that joy was real. And I always wondered, like, what was the American equivalent of it? We haven't quite seen it yet, but I think it's coming. Hmm. Um, you know, how do you see the evolution of um, maybe four or five years ago when there was no such thing as a virtual influencer to today? How do you kind of, how do you see how those few years have, have changed things? Um, then where do you think it might go? Could we see these characters, obviously Oxhuman, um, but we'll see some more uh, like Shudu this afternoon. Um, could you see them acting? Could you see them being in movies? Could you, wh where do you think it goes? All, everywhere. Um, medical, mm. you know, tech, mm. uh, virtual assistants that help companies, entertainers, musicians. I think they will be ubiquitous. Mm. And, you know, they, in order to be ubiquitous, they have to be believable. And um, so that uncanny valley aspect has to go away. Um, we're starting to see, at least I've seen demos where it's really, really compelling. Mm. And with a cartoon sort of character, you can get by without that. When you have a photorealistic character that's a human, you really can't. Um, so I, that's why I really like a lot of these platforms and people that are using cartoons, mm. because you can, you can get away with so much more, like super plastic, I'm also an investor in that. Um, so I think that they can do everything, mm. you know, and that's the nice thing about them is that they're fully scalable, they only create drama if you design them to. <laughs> so, um, you know, like you could create a Kardashian family and hmm. it could be pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about memory, which for Fable is a really important idea, but you were one of the first people maybe to even give us that thought when you were talking about um, a particular an AR app, Follow yeah. Me Dragon. Follow and, Me Dragon. Yeah. So I remember um, seeing kids interacting with Follow Me Dragon and how excited they were, kind of like with my Tamagotchi, to like follow the dragon around, see where the dragon went. But as soon as you close the app, it was like, then they would, you know, get the dragon to back out again. It didn't remember them. Mm. And so they're like, it should know like everything about me. Mm. It should know what my bedtime routines are. It should know like, you know, stories that I tell it should be able to repeat some of this stuff back. And so they lost all interest in it. And that's when I realized that, you know, the storytellers um, who live in Hollywood, uh, mostly, I mean, I guess they're everywhere, but densely in Hollywood, and the technicians who um, are concentrated here are not sort of blending well together uh, to be able to tell some of this narrative as well as to be able to store 
some of these memories. Mm. And so I think that memory is, is a huge component of what everyone is building because that's the only way you're gonna make it believable. Otherwise, it's just like, okay, you know, people are, you know, they, they're not easily fooled. Mm. And then when you see, um, I don't know if you've seen Rival Theory or some of the companies that are trying to create avatars of real people, how do you sort of, how could you see that evolving? Like an avatar of, um, I don't know, somebody who's, who's dead, but we still have enough, uh, any Photo Futurama and video fans? Of them or, right. You know, in Futurama, they go and they take a head out of the library and talk to it. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is so what it is. I think that head. that's kind of what we're going to have. We're going to start seeing, you know, um, family estates for famous people saying, yes, I want to bring Prince back or David Bowie or, you know, um, Stan Lee or whoever. And that's going to be really exciting because there is enough video footage and audio footage or audio of them to be able to recreate, you know, how they sounded, what they looked like, how they moved, and then, you know, a corpus of what they might have said. Mm. And um, what better is to be able to train these things ahead of time so that in the sad event that you pass, you know, then you can live on through this avatar. Mm. Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, there's one one group that I'm super excited about bringing to um, the next virtual summit that's working on um, exactly that, a bot for family members. So that it's not about fame, it's more about um, connecting with those that we've yeah. lost. I mean, uh, it would be incredible if I could talk to my grandmother mm. again. And if my grandmother left messages for me that were just intended for me, including like jokes and things like that. So if I say a certain word, it triggers something very special that's just for me. You know, I think that would be incredible. Some people find a lot of this creepy. Um, you know, when I first started investing in the space, people thought I was absolutely insane. And now it's starting to become, and I know there's other investors here who probably <laughs> looking around the room also thought they were insane. Um, but I think that this is the future that we're going, we're going to live in. Mm. And it's not so far off. Yeah. Um, when you think about your kids interacting with virtual beings, does that kind of, is that, or even following um, influences that are virtual beings, how does that, how, how have you seen that worry other people and how does that affect you or what do you, how do you think about it? Gotta think of the kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, you know, obviously I think parents um, need to be aware of what dangers exist out there and to be able to help their children navigate these dangers um, from things like online trolls to mm. deep fakes um, to whether or not an influencer is quote unquote real or not. Mm. Um, but I think that, you know, that's more of a parental family's job. And I think that, um, you know, and obviously if you're a designer of these things, you should be responsible about the types of content and what you're telling kids. And I think there are COPA laws for, mm. for these various things. Uh, but I think that, you know, obviously I'm fine with it. I think it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the world that they're going to inherit. So they may as well know how to use it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm not sure if Fergal is listening, but it would be great to have a mic so we can take one or two questions from the audience. Um, and it will only be one or two, unfortunately, cause we're going to keep going. Um, but 
you know, going beyond parental, what about, what, what are your thoughts on privacy? Um, once you start to connect the assistant to a face um, that we might care about, that throws up interesting factors because we'd want to communicate a lot with that character. They'd probably be in our homes already. Um, how, do you f how do you think about privacy for adults, not, not for kids, but for you and me or for all of us? Um, I'll tell a little story about my grandfather. Um, so my grandfather once told me that there was no future uh, for me in this field um, as a career. And uh, he held and maintained this for a long time. So when I would go visit him, he had all these like little cutouts of newspapers of like honorable jobs I could have in nursing and teaching. And, and um, eventually he called me and he said, you know, I think there's something to this, this internet thing because the phone numbers have disappeared and there's nothing but URLs on television. And I better get with the program. Um, we are constantly facing this. And mm. privacy, I hate to say this because I'm a huge privacy advocate, but privacy, unfortunately, is dead. It's mm. an illusion. Um, and I do think that, you know, again, it goes down to the platforms, the developers to, you know, keep in mind how important privacy is and to develop it and for consumers uh, to become more savvy about what they're giving information to. Mm. I know that, like, there's um, this app that makes you look old, uh, Face. Face up. Yes. I think. Um, I, I tried it once, and I was like, I need lots of moisturizer. I'm never going to ever use this again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people think that a lot of that data is being used for training models and um, is being used for nefarious reasons. But yet people do it anyway, you know? Um, so I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, people will do it and give up their information willingly mm. anyway. Yeah. Um, did you manage to get a mic? Great. Okay. Well, we probably have time for two questions. What about over here? And Nicole Zero from Zero Design. Uh, great, great interview. Love it. If, uh, what do you think the role of a, the, what is the importance in your mind of emotion and specifically different emotion architectures for virtual beings? We've talked a lot about how we think or how they talk or might how they look, uh, but really the emotion through those interactions, there's a whole wonderful palette and world. I think that I was curious, like, what do you think that, where we are in that, in that regard? I think we're kind of far off, actually. Um, you know, we're getting there. You know, like, there's, there's certain things, like, if I say certain things, it's really difficult to understand the intent of what I'm saying and how to respond appropriately. This is something you and I can do quickly. Um, and I don't think that uh, anything that I have seen that I could be proven wrong by even someone in this room um, can mimic how we humans interact with each other in real time. And so I've been fooled by some of it to a point, but then at some point, like I'll do something or say something, and it, you know, when your avatar laughs back at you and they're not supposed to laugh, it's like, hmm, okay, that was. <laughs> um, so I think we have a ways to go. Yeah, I agree. I, I just want to say I was very inspired by Lukash because I was talking to him about memory. Um, and I was thinking, oh, it'll be great, the virtual being. They'll remember that you played a video game and they won. And, you know, very factually, they'll remember things. And Lukash said, well, you know, maybe, sure. But 
memory is often metaphor, um, meaning I'm in a red room and for some reason um, it is connecting me back to a memory with red in it. Um, and so I, I think part of the part of the reason for the summit is to draw together folks who are artistic with the technologists and emotion feels like an area where an artist can make um, decisions that might be unexpected such that the virtual being could have could be reminded of something and you as the person with them don't totally understand why they're reminded of it that's a lot more realistic than if they always had a very clear explanation for everything so I think an artist's touch for the unpredictability of people a computer can't quite do that but I think an artist can um, anyway what about a, another question Stephen Dr. Stephen Well, hold on, Stephen. You'll probably have to repeat it with the mic. There's a lot of talk about uh, overcoming the uncanny valley, yet the studies with virtual humans and one-on-one -on -one conversations is that they have advantages over humans in that there's no reputation management, there's no good impression. Uh, in fact, a recent study showed that an MRI lights up differently when you talk to a virtual human versus a human. If we overcome the uncanny valley, isn't there a risk that we lose those advantages that we currently have? What an intelligent point. Very intelligent question. Um, I don't know, uh, but I do think that, uh, and I'm not going to pretend to know because I don't, I just don't, but I think that I personally and the people that, you know, I interact with, and again, it's anecdotal, but would love to be able to have a deeper connection with a virtual being um, and in order to get there, I really feel like you have to believe. It, it's just like when you watch a movie, if you've mm. got to suspend your disbelief, like you have to get there to where uh, you're able uh, to do that. I think there was a uh, 2013 study where they used a very primitive virtual human. And because of cultural tailoring, the professor who did that study told me people became emotionally attached to this very primitive animation. So it was more about the story and the, and the discourse than it was about how the agent actually looked. I, th I think it's totally fascinating, because yeah. obviously we think about that fable with cartoon versus photoreal, but I'd not thought of it around reputation management and like fear of looking silly being increased with a photoreal character. Um, I have actually experienced that with some photoreal augmented reality characters. I'd never put, a, put words to it. I think we have time for one more question. Um, so I find it very interesting that you note that privacy is dead. Um, so in the, in the event where people's, I suppose, uh, less palatable, less able to be socially faced, um, details are coming out into the public more or with that conduit being thrown open into the future, um, do you find that there could be a role in um, having virtual beings be a way for, um, I guess, being the martyr to, to kind of break open social taboos and to say the things that need to be said um, that normal people or real people can't really say? Yes, mm. absolutely. So I think this brings me back to sort of South Park, the, the cartoon, 
So I remember the first time I saw South Park, I was like making spaghetti in my kitchen and I was laughing so loud that the police came and um, they were like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm just watching these weird Charlie Brown characters <laughs> cursing away. I just couldn't stop laughing, sorry. Um, South Park demonstrated that they could push the boundaries of what was allowable through speech. Um, and people loved it and they loved connecting to these characters. And so I, you, you're seeing this also with like going back to um, emotional relationships, like there's a guy who married Hatsune Miku mm. and, and had a whole ceremony and everything. Um, I don't know if she consented, but um, <laughs> it was a thing. And so like, I, I do think that you know, um, there's definitely something to that that I'm actually really excited about. It's the same thing that anonymity can kind of give you, mm. um, that you know, being able to, to experience that would be very cool. Yeah, all right, exactly. No more time left. Yeah, you run Thank this thing you. like the Oscars. I know. It's a, well, that's why I got the music to come up <laughs> and, you know, Thank drown you very out much, our everyone. sounds.